Welcome back to another episode of Adoption Unfiltered. I'm Sarah Easterly. I'm an adoptee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kelsey Vandervliet-Ranyard, a birth parent, and Kelsey, and Lori Holden, an adoptive parent. And we are so excited today to welcome Pamela Kiranova to our show. We're just, just really pleased. Um, Pamela is an icon in the adoption advocacy space and in the adoptee space um, as president and um, of a national nonprofit called Adoptees Connect. Um, and um, with groups all over, I think the 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 world at this point, right, Pamela? <laughs> all over. Um, just a really exciting movement of um, finding community for adoptees, which we know is so critically important and life-saving work, truly. Um, and um, because of that work, and I think a lot of your other work, um, Pamela was recognized as an angel in adoption um, by the National Association of Adoptees and Parents in 2019. Pamela is also the founder of Adoptee Remembrance Day. Um, every October 31st, that happens. And that's been a few, I think three years now um, since you founded that. So I won't say much more about it because I want to ask you about that, Pamela. But um, before we start, let's just, um, I, I would love for you just to tell us a, a, a bit about your journey as an adoptee, if you don't mind such a broad question, because I know that's that probably is a <laughs> lifelong thing, but but on high level points of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to share. And it's good I'm at this stage because I can like sum it up. You know what I mean? Normally it's like this long thing. But um, so I was adopted in a closed adoption in Iowa. And there was, um, I had a sister that was 11 months older than me that was already adopted from a different family. Um, my adopted parents divorced when I was one. And I was raised with my adopted mom and my sister and the household I grew up in was really, really chaotic, toxic, unhealthy, very mentally unstable adopted mom. So um, I cannot say that I bonded with her. I actually, it was like the opposite of like force bonding type thing. And that left a lot of scars, you know, um, my adopted dad, like later in life, I kind of found out what went wrong. Like you adopt two children and divorce and move away and have people kind of remarried and had another family of his own and we saw him occasionally but um you know when I was in my adult life I kind of had questions about that like you know you don't know what mental health is as a child like I didn't know that she was mentally ill and uh, obviously I don't have the language to figure that out but um I asked him some questions like how did you leave us with her when she was very mentally unstable and he said, honestly, you should have never been adopted. You know, he said she couldn't take care of the first baby and we should have never got you, but we did. And everything was hard and he left. And so my childhood with my adoptive mom was, you know, she was uh, suicidal a lot. Um, and very just, it was just a very toxic home. So I grew up in that and I, I had this fantasy. I learned I was adopted about five years old and I created this fantasy in my mind that my birth mother was gonna come back. I know a lot of adoptees think that or have these fantasies that totally take over their minds. Um, and I, I think I waited my whole life for her to come back. And there's, there's this one little story that I tell sometimes that, um, and I've written about it, about the sky where I like didn't know her face or what she looked like or where she was, but I knew she was under the same sky I was. So I always wanted to be outside under the sky because she was out there. Um, I would climb trees to the top, like big, huge, giant oak trees and reach up and touch the sky, like as high as I could go. Very unsafe, but if you ask anybody, I was always up at the top of the trees as a child because I was trying to touch my birth mother. And it was like like the only kind of baby blanket. I described this guy as a child, as a baby blanket growing up because it made me feel close to her. Um, and I would say around 11 to 12 years old, I realized that she was never coming back. Like the, the this, I realized this was a false hope that she was not coming and I didn't know how to process that as a child and I got really angry and my whole teenage years were kind of filtered with running away. Um, my adopted mom was really weird about letting us go outside to play. She wouldn't let us go outside to play. 
Um, so I call it this escape. Like I had to escape through the doors just to get outside. I had to climb out an apartment window one time just to get outside to play. Um, and you know, I was going to get outside to play because like my birth mother's out there under the sky, you know? So I, it, it killed me to be trapped in the house. And, um, it was just, you know, I started acting out. I started using alcohol at 12, um, totally avoiding any reality of what was going on. Like, um, I would ask about my birth mother and she would tell me the same thing all the time. We don't have enough money for an attorney, but when we do, we'll get the sealed records open. And then, you know, six months later, when are we going to find my birth mother? We didn't even have a car. We were on food stamps. We walked to the store. We didn't have anything very poor. Um, so we were never getting an attorney, you know, and that's kind of the, the statement that she used to pacify me. And it did pacify me for a minute. And then I was asking again. So um, I was like in and out of group homes, juvenile detention center, um, in the streets a lot. And a lot of really bad things happened out there. Um, so I can't say that I have this happy, wonderful adoption story about where I grew up, where I came from. I think all of that is definitely a part of my fight to um, kind of expose that not all adoptions are wonderful like people think that they are, you know? Um, and I, I had a relationship with my adopted parents um, up until my early thirties. And um, it's like the older I got, I started, I had children of my own. Um, 21 years old, I ended up finding my birth mother. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation. But um, growing up in the house with, with the adopted parents was just a very rocky childhood. I, I, I packed up a U-Haul um, with my children in 2005 and I moved across the country away from everyone so that I could like find myself because there's like all these people and I don't feel, I didn't feel connected to any of them. Um, do I care about a lot of them? some of them yes i do but um it was just like oil and vinegar it, it always felt very different like i was an outsider looking in um and so that's a little bit about my beginning um and i kind of was estranged i think in my early 30s from my adopted parents um and you know i tried to set boundaries with my adopted mom it didn't work um and so I wanted my children to like see a happy, healthy grandma and they were never gonna see it with her. There was, she was a pill addicted person too. So there were pills everywhere. And I just wanted simple things like put your pills away, please don't cry, please act like you're happy. Like just pretend and she couldn't do any of it. And granted she had her own issues. She had her own issues. She was suffering from the failed divorce. She couldn't have her own children. You know, I had to take myself out of my shoes and put them in her shoes, which is where I've been able to tame my anger and trying to get a better understanding for what her problems were. And I, I know now what her problems were, um, at least a lot of them anyway. And, you know, I don't, I don't harbor like hate or resentment towards her. Um, but I don't really have any good feelings about her either. And that's just being completely honest. I just, I was very traumatized by my childhood. So that's kind of the beginning of my days, unfortunately. But I think all of that led to what I do today. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna, I was just, as you were speaking, um, just about that, what sounds like a lot of intergenerational trauma and then um, just so much just, trauma that you experienced in your home with the chaotic environment and then just knowing where you are today and we were talking before we started recording just about your your light you 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 are such a beacon of light in the adoptee community and even just your you know your yellow that you're wearing your signature yellow what was like what was your journey towards creating adoptees connect and and finding and cre helping create adoptee community well, so Adoptees Connect was like, I had these visions. I was like seeking support. And the craziest thing happened is like, I had all of these adoptee related things happen in like a three month period, big things for me, they were huge things. And I was seeking support and validation and a community and there was nothing out there. Um, I reached out to the top rated adoption agency in the state of Kentucky to see if they by chance had any resources for these adoptees that they're putting up for adoption. 
of course they don't, but I was desperate. And so I emailed her and I said, um, you know, I'm looking for a support group. Do you have any ideas of any adoptees that would want to meet? Do you know of any? And she sent me a link back and it was actually the same link from an ad that I put on Craigslist like three years earlier, searching for adoptees. I knew in that moment that if we wanted resources, we're going to have to create them because they leave us for dead. And I mean that for real, like the adoption agencies have left us for dead. They need all the money and, um, you know, and so I uh, ended up having the vision. And when I went down in this really, really dark pit of all these things happening all at one time, I built a relationship with a brother that I thought was my brother. And then I did DNA testing and he wasn't my brother. And he was the happiest part of my whole entire life. He was, besides my children, he was the happiest part of my journey. And um, to find out that he wasn't my brother, I can't even put the feeling of that into words. Um, and there is no words, like there is no words to describe the way that that made me feel. But I, I said, I put, like I was down in this really dark hole that I could not see myself out of. And I literally started planning an escape. I was like, I need out of here. That was one of the three or four different big things that happened that I just, I just couldn't process the pain. I've done therapy my whole life and none of them understand adoption as much as I do. They could not help me. And so, um, I ended up, uh, you know, finding a little glimmer of hope um, and light in that really, really, probably the darkest season of my life, you know, planning of leaving was something that I wanted to look like an accident. And I was really having thoughts of how can I get out of here where I don't want to be a burden leaving the world like I was a burden coming in it. And so I just wanted it to be something very like this was an accident. So this, the glimmer of light came that, you know, I'm feeling like this. I don't want to leave the world. I just didn't want to feel this pain anymore. I just, and there was no way out. And that, at that moment I got up and I created um, Adoptees Connect. I started planning the very first meeting. This was all the fall in 2017, which was the last time I was in that really, really dark space. And, um, January 12th, 2018 was the very first Adoptees Connect group in Lexington. And then we launched another one in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And um, it changed everything for me because now I had a purpose. Like I was going to do this. I didn't, I could have done it just locally in Lexington, but I know adoptees all over the world. I've been writing about my journey for well over a decade now, and there's adoptees everywhere. And I knew that I was not the only one. I'm like, there's hurting adoptees everywhere. And so I was like, I'm going to see what happens. Does anybody else want to plan a group? And it just went crazy. And all the adoptees were like, oh, you know, and that's kind of the start of Adoptees Connect. And, you know, in a nutshell. I love that, Pamela, because um, it's a good reminder. And, and as someone who struggles with suicidal ideations as well, I mean, I think it's a good reminder. We don't have to listen to that, but it's a reminder to feel those feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what gets us, can get us stuck. And then, and know that there's other things on, on the other side of it. And you're a testament to that. Um, you know, you sunk down to those depths and then look at, look at what emerged on the other side. Yeah, it's, it's a magical thing. And then you probably already know what it's like connecting with other adoptees in person. Yeah, so it's the hype, it's the hype for sure. Yeah, yeah, discovering we're normal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we understand each other. And we're other. not yeah. crazy, yeah, totally. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> I love the idea that you came from isolation. You had isolation everywhere. You had disconnection everywhere you looked. And here you are creating connection, creating communities, providing connections for other people. I have a question for you about the communities, because as we know, communities can be amazing places to heal and grow and connect. What what do you do with Adoptees Connect? Because some communities you can like actually devolve. I know this from adoptive parents communities. You know, you bring each other down but everything I've heard about Adoptees Connect, you bring each other up 
how, what do you do to, to, to try to um, foster that? As far as bringing everybody up? Yeah, as, as, as far as growing, flourishing and not sinking. Like getting stuck in those areas. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that one of the most pivotal, you know, points of any of that is just being able to connect with other people that speak the same language in, you know, what we hope to be a safe space, which it's not always a safe space, you know, because you can't guarantee everybody's going to be a perfect person in that type of a setting, but being able to share and, you know, just have the openness of being able to share is just, I mean, that all by itself is one of the, I mean, I have adoptees that come to the groups that have never, ever had a conversation with another adoptee. That is like releasing this big, huge burden that they carry of never being able to share their feelings. One of the things that we go by is we have a curriculum, it's a 12 month curriculum, and it kind of goes a certain way where the first hour we have like an open share based on what everybody's um, experiencing at that current time um, in their uh, adoptee journey. And then we have another um, hour where it's like a question. So like we kind of tailor those questions to like, if it's, if it's May and it's the month of Mother's Day, how's everybody feeling about Mother's Day? You know, so we have a curriculum that we go by and, you know, we try to end with like an uplifting positive note to kind of bring people back up because a lot, I mean, 90% of the time, the conversations are very heavy, you know, um, we do make it clear that we're not therapists, we are not therapists, none of us, are, I mean, there are a few that are therapists, but they have to take their therapy hat off, because we're not therapist groups, none of us should be therapying anyone, we are basically there to listen and validate, and, you know, a lot of times, um, I've learned that adoptees, they come to the group and they get what they need and they go. They don't stay forever. Like um, you're supposed to grow. And so um, we just welcome them wherever they're at. And I know that a lot of times people want it to have like this positive spin to it. Um, but the adoptees that usually have the that positive spin don't usually seek out our spaces. We have adoptees show up that are on the verge of wanting to leave the world um, or adoptees that are just in shambles. So really just by welcoming them and hugging them in real life and listening to them is enough to bring them up from before they walk in the door, you know? So, um, I, that's probably, I guess, what I would say to, you know, we also do friends and family events. Not all of the groups are committed to them. It's kind of like a, if you want to do it, um, where we meet outside of the group. I noticed that when I got my um, adoptee group and my tribe, I kind of started isolating away from my non-adoptee friends. And I had my non-adoptee friends saying, do you even want to be friends anymore? And I'm like, absolutely. I want to be friends. And I was like, oh my God. And my kids probably feel the same way. Cause I'm like, they're not adopted, you can't come. And it was like this empowering, cool thing that we finally had the space. And so I was like, oh, we don't want it to be like that though. Like we don't want to shut people out. So we incorporate friends and family events once a month or every other month where friends and family come and we go do something fun together. Um, it shouldn't all be heavy adoptee all the time. It has to be infiltrated with you know topics that are lighthearted or fun or arts crafts outside coffee we go to do all kinds of stuff we've been hiking together go bowling we you know you name it we're walking life out together and and so yeah I mean from all of the feedback that I get everywhere that's literally the best part and you know when I was down in that pit of what I know now to be probably the biggest, most intensified grief I've ever felt in my whole life. It was grief that hadn't been identified as grief. And nobody said, you're grieving. Here's all the tools. I want to help you. I was just fending for myself. I just wrote an article about what I feel like adoption has felt like for me is, and I talked about this in my last Adoptees Connect group. Um, I asked everybody to blind like I'm blindfolding myself in the group just like go I said just go along I'm blindfolded this is what it's felt like literally and then I'm going to put a straight jacket on and then I'm going to turn all the lights out and I'm going to put duct tape over my mouth I'm going to and and then I'm just going to start throwing myself all over this room all over the walls with no help whatsoever nobody's helping me nobody's figuring it out for me nobody's handing me any tools and the worst part 
is that all the people that said they loved me the most signed the dotted line for me to have a life of this. And now, of course, we have some tools, we have some resources, but I'm never going to stop sharing the message that we didn't. And a lot of adoptees still don't. Like, you know, there's areas where there's not resources. Things are online now, but, um, you know, and and I, I just wrote an article that's titled, I'm Adopted, Help Me. And the reason that I wanted that is because if anybody's searching online, an adoptee, um, specifically, that's kind of who my, my vision and passion is for, um, I want them to know they're not alone. Like we're all in this thing together and it has been, you know, a really, really lonely, dark, um, terrible journey to get to the point of the light that you see now. And we just, you know, we just need people to start listening and understanding like we talked about a little bit ago. So if that, answers your question. And there was a second part to your question. I'm sorry. What was the second part? Um, I think you, you answered everything that I was asking. I just wanted to oh. say thank you because it sounds like you've been very intentional, but about creating a culture in which people can have their full range of emotions, which is something that we talk about as well. And that you have lots of creative ways to access that full range of emotions and evoke some of those under underpinning emotions. Um, that we sometimes don't want to look at or feel. Right. Yeah. Well, the good thing is we're really raw, unfiltered and transparent in our groups. And everybody looks forward to that part of it because they can just be real. They can just be honest. We cuss a lot. Sometimes we throw stuff and it feels really good to just be in a community of people who say, you know, I get it. I know when I went through now, put the, put the, you know, the blindfold on me and put this like, that's what trying to find a glimmer of light has felt like. <laughs> I, I don't know why it came to me in that way other than it's just, it just fell into alignment that way. Like that's what it's felt like. So, but anyway, yeah, we try to, you know, we try to, it's really important to do fun in the middle of it. And any adoptees that cross my path, okay, if you want to get serious with healing and all of that with the adoptee, you know, experience, we have to self-care in the middle of that because you know adoptees see the the resources and then they dive in and they just get so consumed and then like the world stops around them you know and I did it because I was so excited to finally connect with my tribe but then I realized well, that wasn't healthy either being 110% infiltrated with adoption everything is not good either so finding that healthy balance is really really important I'd love to do that to find a healthy balance. <laughs> I feel like that's something I totally don't have. Um, but yeah, I that's really cool to hear about that group. I, I've been thinking the whole time relating it to like our my birth parent spaces. And so, and a lot of times it we kind of get confined many times to those Facebook groups and it can just get really volatile in there. And then it feels like nobody's doing anything to lift each other up or support each other in any way it, it becomes um really like a petty space and it it's hard to um build community in those spaces i do have birth mom community in other spaces but um it's it seems less accessible online do you find that happens in in your space at all or is there anything that you do to kind of curb those that's such a good question and that is actually one of the areas that adoptees connect was created to meet in person i went through a whole experience of the internet drama in adoptee land that was awful i've seen very close people to me not even adopted be bullied to the point of almost taking their own lives by these internet people um I cannot co-sign for that. Like Adoptees Connect is 110% meeting in person because we bypass all of that. I don't consider, I don't get in any of the groups hardly at all um, and interact because that's not my jam. It's not my favorite. People act differently in those groups and 
it's it for me was very, very, very unhealthy. There wasn't much productive about it. Um, it just seemed to make things worse because when I'm at the computer and I'm like wanting to kill somebody through the screen, um, like that's not healthy for me. My heart rates up and no. I've got to go take a pill. You know, I have to go take a pill yeah. because somebody's grinding my gears, you know, and I was like, this is not healthy for me. And then the other part of that is when I went down in that hole and I was so incredibly sad. I couldn't get on the internet and say, help me, all these hundreds of friends on the internet I built relationships with, I want to die. Like I couldn't do it. And so now when we have problems in our real lives, we're friends in real life. I'm going to go to my friend's door and knock on the door and I'm going to help pull her out of that pit, you know, or him or whoever. And so, yeah, it's very, very different. It's, I had a really, really hard time when COVID hit and we had to go virtual. I mean, I literally almost needed therapy over that yeah. because I'm like, I don't want to go virtual. That's not what Adoptees Connect is founded on. And I did it, but I had the hardest time, but that was why, like, you know, there's a big difference in being able to see everybody come in the group and hug them and you know meet up for coffee between our meetings or go for walks so yeah and I think that's you know basically everybody setting their own personal boundaries one of the reasons I, I created uh, the Real Adoptee Moxie which is my writing platform is because I want to create a community of supportive people and so if I go there and I write anybody that's going to be there is going to be supportive of me and it kind of wipes out all the riffraff that you can get on the internet because they're not going to be there if they're not supportive. And so, um, you know, that's another kicker uh, that I kind of turned. I, I made a lot of changes. Um, I've blocked all the bullies. I don't have any problems. I don't interact with any of them. I recommend everybody to do that. I created a social media disclaimer for all Adoptees Connect platforms where we just will not tolerate the bullying or cyber mobbing or any of that really mean stuff that you see online. Um, and I really abide by that, you know? So hopefully that answers your question. No, definitely. Definitely does. I, um, I felt like just with the book coming out, I feel like we've had there's so much, um, so many opinions that your name gets put in when you put out any body of work, right? So then you see it and now like getting on Facebook or getting on Instagram isn't just getting on anymore. And you look at your app on your phone and you're like, I have anxiety. I don't want to open the app, but I need to open the app. And so you just don't know what's on the other side. But then I feel like, you know, when it's, when it's a supportive environment, um, even one that's open for conversation in good faith, you know, it's a different feeling, it's a different feeling to enter a room like that. Whereas entering this internet app where you could be the topic of discussion in a really unfortunate way, <laughs> it's a little different. So I would love to talk about just that in relation to the dynamics of working across the aisles, like we've been doing. Because I think it's really easy. I think it, that same dynamic is at play when we label all adoptive parents in a certain way or birth parents in a certain way. And what we have found through, we, we do meet online, but we've also now had a, a, a couple of in-person, because of our geography, <laughs> it's harder, but we've now had a couple of in-person experiences. And I just think you're so smart. I guess just that, that actually getting to know someone and, and doing the things you're talking about that happen through Adoptees Connect is, is just, you, you see their humanity and you can no longer just sit behind a keyboard and judge and be angry and take all of your personal frustrations out on them across the aisles or on whatever other adoptee is speaking in the room or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, anyway, I just reflecting on that, just. I, I love that you had that insight from the very beginning. I think that's just amazing. And that's why Adoptees Connect, I'm sure, is so flourishing, you know. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely been awesome. And I've actually met with a couple of adoptive parents in person. Um, and I used to sell myself short and say, I don't have a gift of adoptive parents. I just don't have a gift. I don't have the gift. And what it was, was a pivotal moment in my journey. I realized you actually do have the gift. What you're doing wrong is you're trying to insert your message into an arena where someone probably doesn't want to hear it. 
and then I'd want to shake them. <laughs> you don't want to listen to me. And it was my fault because I, now I don't insert my message anywhere that somebody doesn't have the willingness to listen and learn. And I think a lot of adoptees kind of have that a little off track that I, anytime I have a, mess, a time to share a message, I, I encourage them like, you can't insert the message into an arena where somebody doesn't want to hear it. That's where you're going to get frustrated at. But the times that I have talked to adoptive parents and they have the willingness and I have the willingness, it's like a magical, beautiful thing. And I haven't tippy-toed in that arena a lot just because I'm so consumed in adoptee stuff. But the future that I'm kind of diving into with the whole grief thing I mean, one of my main goals is to connect with adoptive parents because I feel personally like if I was allowed to grieve from the minute I found out I was adopted at five years old, my whole life trajectory would have been different if I would have been allowed to feel sad um, and maybe say, where is she? I miss her. I love her. I, I wanted to cry that she was gone. Like, and I couldn't. All of that was hijacked. Um, and so anyway, you know, connecting with adoptive parents has been, you know, an awesome thing now that I'm doing it the right way. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you mentioned your grief, the grief project. And, and because I, when we were corresponding about having you on, I was like, I'm so excited to talk to you about grief, which but I, as I typed up, so strange, but that's, I feel so passionate because same, I mean, the grief wasn't there. And then when I started studying attachment and and like we can't adapt unless we grieve that's how we grow that's how we get resilience and that but we're, but we're not given space for that the adoption narrative doesn't make room for that because it's so amazing and beautiful and we you know adoption is a win-win just all the things we know so um anyway i am excited to hear more about how you came to this insight um uh, and and what you're doing yeah, thank you for letting me share. So um, I am actually in the process of becoming a certi certified grief recovery specialist to be able to help adoptees grieve. Um, I, I mean, I think I've been doing that anyway without the certification, but the certification is just going to make me feel better and I'll be, be able to help me do what I want to do better. But being able to connect the dots on that in my personal life has been such a pivotal instrumental thing. And that's why the visual of being tied up in the room in the dark was like, why couldn't anybody just tell me that I'm grieving? I'm gonna be grieving every day of my life for the rest of my life in different ways. Um, and there was nobody that would help me make that connection. I remember finding out that my brother was not my brother and sitting in the dark in my living room and I was sobbing, I mean, sobbing, wailing, uncontrollable grief. My daughter was in the dark sitting there with her arm around me crying with me and I will never forget it. But that grief, that, that, that almost killed me. The grief from these adoptee experiences has almost killed me a lot of times over. And no one said, you're grieving, you're gonna be grieving, your grief is okay, there's nothing wrong with you. And so figuring it out, feeling like I'm in the dark, banging my head against a wall, trying to discover what the hell. Um, I knew that the minute that I accepted that the pain was here to stay. The minute that I was really wrapped up in the church for a while, um, not knocking anyone that still is, but I feel like there was a lot of avoidance of really sitting with real raw feelings there. Um, spiritual bypassing, not you know actually feeling the feelings. And so the whole time I feel like I was in that arena, I was sitting there with a broken heart and I thought I was gonna die from a broken heart. And I was pretending like I was okay because everybody didn't, they wanted me to pretend like I was okay, but um, I was not okay. And uh, the moment that I realized that I need to shift focus on these feelings and sit with the feelings and welcome the feelings and not be scared of them and learn how to process them in a healthy way is the minute that I actually started healing. The minute that I accepted that this is going to be a lifelong thing, 
this is, I'm not just, I'm not, they wanted me to believe that I was going to wake up one day and it's all going to be perfect, but that's not how it works. That's not how it worked for me. Most of the adoptees I know, it's like, and that actually the anxiety of that's how it's supposed to be was like, a, it was a deterrence of actually learning to live with these feelings. And, you know, there's nobody helping. There's nobody guiding me. I'm just figuring it out. And so when I realized this pain was here to stay and I just need to learn how to live with it. Um, I started realizing that all of the pain I had felt probably from the moment I came out of the womb and was separated from my birth mother was grief. Um, there was, there was a word for it. It was grief and I was grieving and I was deeply, deeply grieving, holding in unprocessed grief. And everybody wants to know why adoptees are so angry. Why so many of us, you know, are stuck. Well, probably nobody's told them that they're going to grieve forever. And in reality, I realized that I personally feel like everybody in the adoption constellation should become experts at grief. Everybody. Adopted parents before they even adopt, and then they can help their child. They can do their own grieving for whatever they had to adopt for if they did. And obviously birth mothers are going to be professionals at grief if probably by themselves alone because the world doesn't save much space for them either um and then you know adoptees all and so when I made the the the, the clicker in my mind that oh my god so this is grief like this harrowing very deep sad grief um that I started to articulate in my writings on my platforms, the pain, um, the sadness, um, how all of it almost killed me so many times. Um, little by little, it got easier and easier and easier. And now I describe it as every day waking up and saying, you know, good morning to my adoptee grief. And however it's gonna show up every single day, I might be sitting at my car and need to pull over on the side of the road and get a good cry in because I'm feeling really sad for some reason. And then I say, you know, what are you going to show me today? And I might see this picture of my birth father right here. That is all I have of him. And it brings tears to my eyes because I'm really sad. I never got to know him. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going to be forever. It's going to be forever. But the good thing is, is that it comes and goes, it gets lighter. A lot of times there's a beginning, there's a middle and there's an end to the grief. And I today don't feel like I'm gonna die from a broken heart at all. I've found happiness in life. I found peace within and um, gr uh, adoption, grieve, grow, glow, ready, set, go is the platform that I'm creating. And it's kind of a long name. There's an article about it. If you Google it, you'll see it. But it's basically encouraging people to welcome the grief process and adoption for everyone. And the sooner we get started on this, the better. That's where the ready, set, go comes in at. You know, once we grieve, then we can grow and then we can glow. And it sounds, you know, it's kind of, it had to be, it had to be something that was appealing to everyone in the constellation. Some of my stuff and my work can be like, you know, to adoptive parents, birth parents, just because I'm very unfiltered and raw and a lot of my writings is uncensored. Um, and it's not everybody's jam, but I really want to somehow reach as many adoptive parents as possible, somehow to get the message out that the sooner you start grieving, I can, I mean, I can, I, I would be willing to lay my life down <laughs> to say the minute you start, you know, you learn you're adopted, there needs to be a good cry and miss for the birth mother. The grief process should be facilitated at that very moment. Um, you know, I think we're gonna have a lot less adoptees leaving the world if we can get this in action somehow. Um, and so that's kind of where the grief thing came in for me. It's finding that out and figuring it out all by myself has been, life-changing and I think it's probably saved my life literally and I hope it does other adoptees and so now I can't shut up about it <laughs> I I am so on board with you about adoptive parents needing to be in on this too um, because you're right we sometimes come into it with our own grief but we also come into it with the win-win narrative 
that everybody knows adoption about adoption, that everybody wins in adoption. And so we are not prepared for our child to grieve. We, um, and if, we, if they do show signs of grieving, we feel like it's because we've done something wrong. And that needs to, that, that whole story needs to be debunked on a big scale because it's not just adoptive families, it's our whole culture from movies and magazine covers and all those things. Yeah, I agree with you totally. It's like society period is like so positive culture, everything. And that's really just so toxic when people are grieving. Like we live in a society where we're losing things all the time, like losses, you know, a part of life and people don't really save room for anybody to grieve losses, you know, and, you know, with adoption, I guess it makes it so different because it, it, it does have that, um, the happy, win-win positive narrative so much of the time that, um, you know, people just haven't allowed the grief process to be, you know, in that. And, you know, but yes, I totally agree with you, especially about um, all of it, but like adoptive parents not even being equipped themselves on how to navigate this. And I've had to do a lot of um, really just focusing on grace and empathy before they weren't given the tools either. You know, they weren't now, thankfully, like podcasts like this and books like the amazing book I want to get and read very soon of your guys is like opening people's eyes, you know, so together. Well, I was just, yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, you, it just came out and I'm going to send you a copy, Pamela, because I think you're going to really, I mean, we, we write a lot about grief, so <laughs> I think you'll like it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I write a lot about, I want to talk before we before we wrap up, I definitely want to talk about Adoptive Remembrance Day, but I do write about that of just that cycle of the how difficult it is to face into the grief, and then we that frustration you just mentioned, we get stuck in what Dr. Gordon Newfeld calls there's this frustration traffic circle, and if you can't change something. Um, and you're not grieving it, then what comes out is attack. You go out the roundabout through attack. And then, you know, it can be either that's when we get the angry adoptee label because <laughs> um, we're full of attacking energy or that that attacking going inward. And um, uh, that's just, I, I know you and I both are really um, passionate about helping um, with that, you know, that problem, that really sad, tragic issue in adoption. So I'd love to hear about Adopt Your Remembrance Day. I'm so thankful for that and just um, how you came to start Adopt Your Remembrance Day and how it's been going a few years in. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So um, Adopt Your Remembrance Day, I, I feel like my time in the adoption arena, there has been like a little bit of chatter about it over the decade that I've been involved, um, but there was never any action behind it. And, you know, I didn't share too much about finding my birth parents, but I did find my birth parents and I saw both of their faces um, one time and then they slammed the door shut and never wanted to see me again. Um, the grief of that, that I've been navigating my whole life of, you know, not only the disappointment of being rejected um, when I spent my whole life dreaming about these people, um, you know, that was another area that took me down into that spiral of, um, I don't know how to see out of this. I don't know how to process this pain. Nobody can help me anywhere. Um, you know, and I think my personal story with adoption almost killing me so many times over. And I had um, a young man that was my son's best friend and he died by suicide and he was an adoptee as well. And that was just life shattering for our whole family putting the wheels in motion. Basically, I picked the day before um, National Adoption Awareness Month because it was it's October 30th um, because I wanted to infiltrate all of the, you know, internet and everywhere that we could think of and have one day to just acknowledge that, you know, before anybody's ever adopted, we lose our whole world. Like, can anybody acknowledge this? Um, and he... Um, you know, with, with, with the young man, you know, taking his life and that shaking up our whole family. Um, I just, you know, said to myself, um, I can 
go on my life without ever creating something like this. There's, you know, everything that you do, especially like you guys are learning with your book, there's pros and cons and um, all of that as far as um, the feedback that you're going to get. There's always going to be people that don't agree with it or don't like it or don't, you know, have something to pick about it. Um, But I feel like, you know, the areas that Adopt Your Remembrance Day kind of highlights is the loss that, you know, we all experienced before we're adopted. It highlights any adoptees that um, are not able to make it because their pain is too great. Um, abuse, neglect, and adoption, which I came from a home that was very similar to that. Um, and the adoptees that have been deported, you know, at no fault of their own. So it just highlights, you know, all of those things. And I picked for it to be just one day because I've had people say oh why didn't you do a month and I'm like do you really think that anybody can sit and do this huge heavy day for a month like I mean a day of it is very difficult for people in the adoptee community you know um and so that's why I picked the day because we just wanted it to be like a power surge of reality infiltrating the internet and and in our communities um where people can maybe just listen to us just one day. Like if you can't listen the rest of the year, can we just get one day? Um, and, you know, we all know that that there's still a lot of adoptees that can't see their way out of it. They don't have the glimmer of hope or the light. And, you know, creating a day like that could definitely change everything. Um, if even one or two people, you know, can listen and try to grasp the the deep levels of the loss that adoptees experience. And the other thing that I always try to share with people is because I feel like people, I feel like maybe adoptive parents specifically have it mixed up where a lot of times, not not saying you, Lori, I'm just saying in general. (laughs) Um, The the whole idea of um, separation trauma is a totally different experience than the adoption. And I feel like a lot of times when people are saying adoption trauma, adoption trauma, people are like, what What do you mean adoption trauma? Adoption's a good thing. Like, what do you mean? And I always write or share distinguishing the difference because they're two different things. Like before the adoptees adopted is one whole big, huge thing. That's where we got to go back to. We got to go back to the beginning before the child was ever adopted or the baby or whatever. Um, And so anyway, that's just an important area for people that might think about adoptee remembrance. They're like, what? Well, just think about what every single adopted person has to lose before they're ever adopted. Think about that for a minute. And then maybe they can tap into saying, you know, my daughter's 16 and she's adopted and I'm her adopted mother. And I would like to honor that day with her because of everything that she lost, you know, and birth mothers, birth fathers, like my birth father didn't even know I was given up for adoption and said he would have kept me if I would have, <clears throat> if he would have known. And so, you know, birth fathers might participate. People that know or love adoptees might participate in Adoptee Remembrance Day um, just to honor wow, I really learned some new stuff about adoption today, you know? So that's a little bit about Adopting Your Women's Day. And yeah, it's it's a big day and I'm honored to be able to create it. And just, you know, when I see adoptees from across the world, you know, honoring it and there's, you know, 50 of them together sending pictures and all their yellow, I ball like a baby because I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is so big that, it is so overdue and so needed, you know, and I don't feel like I get any credit for it and I don't want any credit for it. I just want people to start understanding that there's so much more to adoption than, you know, what the agencies and the attorneys and, you know, the Brave Birth Moms Club is going to tell people, like, they're not going to really articulate, you know, even for the, the adoptive parents to, you know, have to navigate raising an adopted child and not having the tools, you know, on how to figure it out for them. So it's, it's very hard process for everybody, you know, just, I just want to say oh, for Adoptee Remembrance Day this year, I have another podcast, the Twisted Sisterhood. It's a birth mom podcast. Um, and we posted about Adoptee Remembrance Day this year. And when we talked about what we were going to post, we were like, we really wanted to connect that day with our with our audience and make sure they knew that they knew that they could connect this day with their own 
child um, and connect that. Um, sometimes for birth moms, it's hard for us to like, you know, we remember if, if you had the opportunity to hold your child in the hospital and everything, you remember that child as when they were yours, they were itty bitty and they were this little innocent human being. And then the next time you see them could be five weeks later, it could be years later, and they're not that little baby anymore. And so what we wanted to do with our post for Adaptive Remembrance Day was make that connection for them that this person is also this person, and that the time in between is precious and it matters. And to um, think of your child as well when you think of Adaptive Remembrance Day, so that we are being everything that we can to them um, to support their health and well-being. And so I can't remember the exact post, but it said something about um, the the these adoptees being once being the little ones that that also their birth mothers held and loved or thought of. And so, um, but I I appreciate that day too because it's such a reminder too to um, to be there for the ones that we still have as well. So. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Cause I, yeah. Instagram has done something weird with their hashtags now. So like, I want to okay. share everything that I can find. I'll send it to you. I, I'll send our, yeah, post or to you can, yeah. yeah, or te- yeah, send it to me. Yeah. I get, cause I would love for to sure. share it. Yes. Um, that's awesome. That gives me hope that there's shifts happening. Yay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, Pamela, you've done so much um, just through all of the things you've started, your words, your truth telling, your unfiltering, your modeling for our community. I just I just have so much admiration and appreciation for you and so thankful that you could join us today and share. And um yeah, just just it's been a, a treat talking to you. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you ladies for having me and best of luck on your book and everything that's going to unravel from it. I'm excited for you all. And I think it's so good that you collaborated together. That's definitely, definitely, definitely a whole new thing in the adoptee community and the adoption community as a whole. And I think there's so many benefits of connecting and collaborating together that it can be such a powerful thing. So I'm excited and proud of you all for doing that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for having it's me. Mutual love that. So yeah. Okay. Take care. All okay. right. Bye.